if you're going to go out there and achieve something or you want to go and get something, you need to believe that you can do it. The minute you doubt yourself is the minute that you'll fail in that situation. Hello and welcome to Conversations in Confidence, a podcast by It Cosmetics UK. I'm your host, Rose Gallagher, the UK and Ireland brand ambassador. And each week I'm going to talk to some of our friends from the industry about their own confidence journey. Today, I'm joined down the line by a lovely friend and makeup artist and author, Lisa Potter-Dixon. When I think of Lisa, I just think of all of the colours under the sun. She's such a vibrant, bubbly person and she's always got the makeup to match. But today, we're going to touch on some parts of her life that you might not know so much about and really delve into her story. Now, just to mention before we get started, Lisa and I are going to touch on a medical condition called endometriosis. Any views expressed are entirely those of that person and we thoroughly recommend seeking professional medical advice if you're experiencing a similar concern. But for now, down the line, it's time to welcome Lisa. So good afternoon, Lisa. Oh, hey Rose, what a lovely intro. Thanks. (laughs) Well, I mean, one of the things I was going to say to you, I know that we're both at home on the couch having a chat on the phone, but something tells me that hasn't stopped you putting on a very bright outfit today am I right I mean obviously you are completely right in fact I'm wearing tie-dye obviously oh (laughs) fantastic and I mean knowing you have you made that yourself Lisa or is it come ready-made you wouldn't know well this one I haven't made myself but I have made some myself I mean I've loved tie-dye forever and now it's become this big kind of trend so it's exciting I love seeing everyone in literally a rainbow of colors I think it's so fitting at the moment so definitely and it's so lovely to just see it everywhere and I actually think when we're at home um I saw Fern Cotton say recently that she's really making an effort to put pops of color into her clothes or even her nails and things like that and it makes such a difference I mean I know you love your clothes Lisa how do you think experimenting with all of those colors and shapes and things impacts your confidence well I just think that you know (laughs) You shouldn't be afraid to try colour because it's about how it makes you feel. And I think that goes back to the makeup side of things. I mean, you and I both know, Rose, that, you know, makeup isn't just about how it makes you look. It's about that feeling that you get from when you put on a a red lipstick or, you know, a nice bit of eyeshadow. And it's exactly the same with clothes. Definitely. Obviously, we have our core wardrobe, right? So we have our jeans, we have our white shirts, whatever. But adding in that pop of colour, whether it be something simple like a colourful belt or whether it be something like, you know, a full-on multicoloured sequin jumpsuit. I've got a few of them. I can imagine. Um, As soon as you put something like that on, you do just feel great. And it does give you confidence, although it can take a while for that confidence to grow when you put something new on for the first time. But that's normal. Definitely. And it can just be so transformative in terms of your state of mind. And I really think that how good you feel impacts so many different things. You know, the decisions you make, how much you enjoy your evening, whatever it can be. 100% agree. Yeah. But just to come back to the beginning a little bit with you, Lisa. So I think lots of people will know you first and foremost as a makeup artist. Um, When did you know that that was the path you wanted to follow? Oh, God, you know, Whenever I get asked this, it's kind of like, 
I haven't really got a, a time when I knew. I think that for a long time, I didn't realize that it could be a job. Yeah. Um, I was always surrounded, you know, by makeup. And back then we didn't have social media. I've been a makeup artist for over 15 years. So, you know, there was no social media. There was no one doing makeup that you were seeing on a daily basis, apart from in magazines, you know, when I used to watch tellies and films, I'd be admiring the makeup. And I think for me, Rose, it was very much a part of my life uh, because my mum was a model. So I was all surrounded by makeup. She also had her own beauty salon, Well, it was actually a white van and it said looking good. So that was the name of the salon in red on the side. And I used to go with her. And then I used to do a lot of school plays, like makeup for them and stuff. And really, it wasn't until I got my first actual job working with a brand that then I thought, hold on a minute. Okay, this could be something. And that's when I kind of, so probably about 15 years ago, that was when I was like, right, this could be a path that I really want to go down. So I'm just going to go for it. And then, so you worked with one makeup brand for many years and, you know, went on an amazing journey with them. You were very synonymous with them as their face and spokesperson. And then last summer, you made the decision to venture out on your own as a freelance artist and just have that moment for you. Um, Was that nerve wracking after all that time? Like, how did that move feel? Oh yeah. I mean, I've been thinking about it for like a good year. It wasn't something that was like an overnight decision. And I do think that, you know, when you're in a really safe, good job that you love, Mm. um, it's very difficult to make that move. But I'm so lucky that I'm surrounded by such incredible friends. You know, my friends are my family. Obviously I've got Theo, my amazing husband, who's always so supportive. And a lot of my friends are in the industry as well, because obviously we've all grown up together in this, in this world. And they were the ones saying to me, like, listen, Lise, you're now working two jobs. You're working your full-time job um, for a brand and you're also working freelance. So you're doing like 70, 80, 90 hours a week. It yeah. was honestly nonstop, Rose. I mean, it was amazing and I loved it, but it was getting to a point where I was like, I was exhausted. Yeah. I was just exhausted. And it was then that everyone was saying to me, right, this is it. This is the time to make the move. Rose, we've seen it where the whole industry probably about a year ago started to shift where it became more about the expert than the influencer. Definitely. Definitely. Um, And that's no disrespect to influencers because they are still hugely important to everything. And there's so much talent out there. And I can tell you now from having friends that are some of the biggest influencers in the UK, that they are the most hardworking people that I know. Yeah. <laughs> um, but what I will say is that I saw that shift and thought, well, this is a good opportunity now because now people understand that we know what we're talking about and they want our advice. So I made sure that I saved some money so that I knew that if I didn't get any work <laughs> that um, I'd be okay. I made sure that I had obviously Theo's full support because, you know, when you're in a relationship, we've been together 16 years. And um, when you've been in a relationship for that long, you know, it's all about you're one really. So you need to make sure you both agree with each other's decision. And he fully was backed me a hundred percent. Um, and then I just went for it. And again, I'm so lucky that I've got some incredible mentors in the industry who gave me so much incredible advice and everything they said was right. But the thing that I really trusted the most was my gut. And that's what I always do in any situation. And 
so far, so good. People actually love the full package of getting to know a person and understanding them and a bit more about their life. And I think that really um, is a huge part and parcel of the trust that people have in you. And another part of your story that I think people really resonate with, and I know I've um, enjoyed getting to know with you as well, is you're very open with your journey with endometriosis. Um, Could you tell us, for someone that doesn't know, what is endometriosis? Yeah, basically, it's a chronic disease that one in 10 women have. And it's probably actually more than one in 10. But the research behind endometriosis is very minimal, which is so surprising, considering it affects so many people. And, you know, the straightforward way to explain it is it means that when you have your period, you bleed internally as well as externally. And it then the blood that going inside your body clogs up and sticks together your ovary, your womb, your bowel on some cases, like it sticks everything together and causes chronic pain that then can just be at certain times of the month or it can last the whole month. And I think I've had it since I was probably 11 or 12. I was diagnosed at 21 Um, I've had six laparoscopies. Oh, Lisa. The problem with it, Rose, is that really that is the only way to be diagnosed. So you have to have this operation where you're, you know, put to sleep and a proper operation where they put the camera into your belly button and, um, and they basically then can see inside the womb and see how much you've got, if any. And that is the only way. Yeah for it to be diagnosed, which is just crazy because it's so intrusive. Definitely. Um, yeah. I mean, and, and then what they do is they burn away, you know, the clogged blood and uh, a lot of the time it causes cysts and they, they burn that away. And then it just depends on you, your body. But usually that gives me six months, maybe nine months of a little bit less pain. So when you haven't had your surgery, How does it impact your day-to-day life? What is a a normal kind of bout of symptoms? So I have stage four, which is the worst that you can get. Um, Now, I am a very strong-minded person. So I am very much have the, the mindset that I will not let this beat me Yeah, because that's just the way I am. Yeah, It doesn't mean if you're not like that, that that makes you weak. It absolutely does not. Everyone deals with pain in a different way. Yeah. Um, and for me, if, if I let it impact me, I would be in absolute chronic pain, crawling on the floor, um, at least half of the month. I mean, Rose, you actually saw me before Christmas. Yeah. And usually I wouldn't go when I was in that pain and no one's ever really seen me in that pain. Um, and I just knew I had to go because I just knew, and you know, I left that and I was physically sick because that was what it does to me because I'm in so much pain. Um, so it affects you differently from day to day. The most frustrating thing for me really, which is quite superficial is the, the bloating because I am very fit. Um, I've always been very fit. I really look after myself. I exercise a lot. And it's so frustrating to me how my stomach is yeah. always just bloated when I'm like, I I'm eat working so well. really hard. Like, yeah. Right. So, uh, you know, it's really hard for me to say from a day to day point of view because it does change. 
But for me, I have found something that works for me for the first time in my life. Um, and at the beginning of the year, I did a huge detox for three months. It was amazing, Rose. Like she told me so much about my life that no one could ever have known. And some stuff that I didn't even know. I'll give you an example. She said to me, you're the second born child. And I said, well, no, no, I'm not. I'm the eldest. My mum had me first. She was like, you're not. And I was like, well, I, okay, well, I definitely am. She was like, phone your mum. So I phoned my mum. I was like, mum, I'm the first born, aren't you? And my mum was like, well, actually, I had a miscarriage before you. Wow, isn't and, that fascinating? And, and she could tell that from my body. I, she did all these kind of, like I say, these energy tests. The other thing that was really amazing is the way she described it. And actually, on my blog, um, there's a whole post on this. I go into much more detail there. But DNA is what makes us, right? And we're made up of, of everything. And what, how she explains it is that every time you have a sickness when you are young, whatever it may be, there's a footprint of that in your DNA forever. And it can block certain areas of your body. It can block chakras. It can block all sorts. So you need to clear that out by doing certain things with um, your energy levels. And, and she specializes in all that kind of stuff. It may sound very kind of witchcrafty. I don't know how to describe it, but trust me, after 20 something years, this is what's of, worked. Yeah. Of having Western medicine, which by the way is incredible. Western medicine is one of the most incredible things. We're so lucky to have it, but this is more Chinese medicine based and Chinese medicine is thousands and thousands and thousands. You know, Western medicine really is Chinese medicine's teenager. You know, it's, it's much y younger. So after years and years and years, and I committed to this three months, taking all these herbs, taking, doing a massive detox, giving up everything. And honestly, I've never felt better. That is incredible. And when you first went on this journey, what were the what were the elements of your symptoms that started to ease? Was it a reduction in the pain? Was it yeah. increased yeah. energy levels? Well, see, I always had really high energy levels and I really put that down to exercise. People always ask me how I have so much, so much high, high energy. And I really think exercise is key to that. If I'm ever feeling like in a slump, I'll do some yoga and I'll feel great. Yeah. Um, things that I noticed first was the pain. Secondly, it was the bloating. Then I noticed when my ne next period came, like if you imagine that the pain was a 10 and a 10 for me, like I say, is off the scale. Yeah. It went down to about a five just in one month. Wow. And it was even things where I was like, I used to have quite a lot of um, like phlegm. <laughs> Sounds gross, but you know, like in the morning, I used to have quite a lot of phlegm and yeah. everything, the blockage can be a symptom of all of it linking back to your endometriosis. And I stopped having to blow my nose every morning. It was things, weird wow. things like that as well. So, you know, I do think that obviously if you feel you have endometriosis or you do have it, Really, you have to go to a doctor first for their advice. You should always, always do that. But don't rule out that diet can be a huge thing, that taking supplements can really help, but always go to your GP first. And what do you wish more people knew about endometriosis? Because I always oh. find it interesting that I still don't think we've reached a point in society where talking about periods is kind of seen as normal. And I think when you do have something like chronic pain every month, you just wish you were able to 
talk about it without being looked like you've got 10 heads. Like my friends always laugh. I never shut up about my period because I go through this awful pain every month. I don't want to have to skirt around it. I want to be able to just talk about it. It is a big part of my month every month. Yeah. I mean, I just wish that people knew that endometriosis isn't just a normal period, you know, like the pain that you suffer. I've said it like three times now, but it's literally like insane. No, it's crazy. it is. It is. Um, and I just wish that people knew that if we say we're in pain, we're in pain. If we need a day off work because of it, you shouldn't have to take a sick day. It's not our fault. Um, you know, I just think that people need to understand it is a chronic disease. It's not just a period. A hundred percent. And I think because it is such a misunderstood illness, and I think because there is so much work to be done in terms of education around it, that's why when the likes of you share your story and just really openly talk about that journey, people love it and people resonate with it because it's someone that you can relate to that's going through the same thing as you. You know, Rose, I think that like there are so many people out there and there's so much way because the doctors, you know, what they did for me, they put me through the menopause when I was 21. You know, they they injected me with the menopause basically. Wow. Um, six months because that is the only answer at the moment. I don't know what the answer is now. It's that and laparoscopies. That's it. And for me, I'm just like, if I'd known any differently, I wouldn't have wanted all those hormones put into my body. Yeah. I would have much preferred to have done the route now. So for me sharing my story, it's not for everyone, this other route, and it won't work for everyone. And you have to be so committed to it. That is the main thing. Um, You know, I gave up caffeine, dairy, gluten, alcohol, sugar, red meat, all of that. All in one go. All at once. After the three-month period, are you in a position to gently uh, introduce those things again? Or is it just a case of this is your new lifestyle? No, do you know, I have been. Um, The great thing about doing it though, Rose, is that actually... I've discovered underlying things that were, because well, you know, it's almost like when you do a FODMAP uh, plan, which is where you give up food it's better, and then you reintroduce it. I've now discovered that I'm actually really allergic to milk. And I was drinking a pint of milk every single day, at least, because I love milk. And actually, when I tried to, when I re- reintroduced having milk into my diet, I immediately was sick. Isn't so that for now, me? Yeah. And now I don't drink milk at all. Um, so I try and do the, get, I give up everything five days a week and two days a week I do whatever I want. Oh, brilliant. That's a nice balance to have. It's a good balance. And, you know, I notice a difference though, Rose, sugar as well is a massive, massive trigger for my stomach, but it's worth doing for those three months just to go, oh, hold on a minute. Actually, that might not even be the blink to my endometriosis, but actually my body doesn't like that either. So why would I put that back in and I I haven't eaten gluten for 13 years anyway so you know just a way of resetting the batteries and kind of going back to the drawing board isn't it absolutely now another thing I really wanted to ask you about um 
I know that you've always been very open about your late father, Lester. Um, you mention him a lot and I love hearing different stories that you will share about him. Um, but yesterday I watched a video that you've posted on YouTube about your dad and this particular video was um, around the time of his two-year anniversary. And it just, it was a really special video and it was a really lovely thing to watch. But I'd love to just ask you in your own words, a little bit about Lester yeah I mean also I'm warning you now I never know how I react when I (laughs) I talk about my dad of course (laughs) uh yeah no actually I haven't watched that video since I recorded it but I still get messages probably daily um from people saying that it helps them so my dad was really just a wonderful man like he's such a great guy I feel like and everyone's always said that my personality is very similar to my dad's in terms of we love a party and (laughs) (laughs) we love our friends like you're always surrounding yourself with people and you know um but yeah six years ago it was re- it was actually quite a strange time because I just signed my first book deal and I was trying to get hold of my dad all week to tell him because I'd always be like, he'd be like the first person that I'd phone to tell everything after Theo. Yeah. And um, I couldn't get hold of him and it was really weird that I couldn't get hold of him. Anyway, he then phoned me on the Friday and he was like, oh, I've been in Amsterdam with my team. Like we hit our target and I wanted to take them all away. So he paid to take his team away out of his own money for like three days in Amsterdam because they this big job or whatever mm. I was like, that's amazing and I was like dad I've got a book deal anyway he just I just couldn't his response was just like amazing and obviously he was like oh my god I can't wait to hear about it and yeah let's catch up next week and let's I'll come and see you because I used to see him every two weeks in London um and then I said what are you doing this weekend and he said oh I'm going on a bike ride because he was training for a I can't remember how many miles it was now 300 mile bike ride for charity or something like that wow and um and I was like, oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. And I was going to a wedding on the Sunday and it was my first Indian wedding. And my dad was like, oh my God, you're going to love it. The food's just amazing, et cetera, et cetera. And then on the Sunday, I was at the wedding. I don't know if you've been to an Indian wedding before, but the ceremony, um, people kind of can walk in and out because it's quite a long ceremony. So it's, it's quite casual. Yeah. And I just had this overwhelming feeling. It was so weird. Theo wasn't with me. I was with my friends from work because it was a work person's wedding. And my sister phoned me and my phone was on silent. And I was like, that's weird. Why is she phoning me? And then she phoned me again. And I was like, guys, I've got to go and get this. And she just said, Lee's dad's had a bike accident. Mum's gone to hospital. Um, my stepmom's gone to hospital. The police have come and got her. Um, and I, we don't know what's what. And I was like, okay, keep calm, keep calm. And I knew, I just knew. Really? And yeah. And I remember just going into the, all of the girls that were with me, about seven of them came out and I was like, guys, we need to get through to the hospital. And I just remember phoning the hospital and them going, what's your name? And I'm like, I'm his eldest child. Like you have to let me speak to him. I don't need to get, do I need to drive from London to Cambridge? Like, and they just kept passing me from one person to one person to one person every time I said his name. And then my stepmom answered the phone and that's when she told me. And basically, um, he was 55 and his heart just stopped and he it turns out um that it's a hereditary heart disease and no one knew he had it because actually all his dad and his brother and his uncle who'd all died probably of it had also died had died technically of cancer or kidney Uh, failure so they always thought it was the other thing well you don't get 
tested for if you die of cancer you've died of cancer they don't test for any other underlying diseases unless there's any suspicion around it so on your death certificate it will say cancer so no one would have ever known that there was actually this hereditary heart disease and if my dad had known that he would still be here because he would have just had a heart bypass and he would have been fine oh I see. Um, yeah so he left six of us, six of us behind. I'm the eldest of seven, but one of my brothers isn't my dad's. And, um, yeah, it was the most horrendous time. Um, and it still is absolutely, it is still absolutely horrendous. Um, but what I take from it is that firstly, I'm so lucky that I had a dad that I love so much and he loved me. Yeah. And also that, I really, really live my life for him. And I'm so grateful of that because when you lose someone, grief is a weird process and it's different for everyone. But you can go, I'm very lucky that I didn't go into some deep depression. And again, that's down to Theo and my friends really. Um, Because actually the other way to look at it is they can't be here to live their lives. So you need to enjoy it and live it the way that they would want you to. And that's what I do every single day. Yeah. I mean, I remember as well, one of the parts of the video that was quite powerful, you'd mentioned that because Theo had lost both of his parents by the time yeah. he was 20 as well. And you said that, you know, he just understood sometimes that maybe you just want a cup of tea or maybe you just want a hug and not to necessarily even speak about it. But um it's you're so right it's one of those things that everyone approaches differently grief and there isn't necessarily a right or wrong but you can just be there for the person can't you yeah no definitely and I think that you know I get a lot of messages from people who have recently lost parents or family members or and you know asking how do you get through it honestly you don't get over it. You don't, it, it, but time, as they say, is a healer. And that is so true. You know, for the first probably year, every single day I'd cry every single day. And now it's probably once a month. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Or I even know how often, but maybe less than that even. But I think about my dad every single day, but yeah. And I also think that whether I'm not a religious person, I never have been. And, you know, what do I believe in when you die? I don't know. But what I all do know is that too many things have happened that only my dad could have done to like give me a sign. I really believe that. Um, and also I think they're always with us because we are part of them particularly when it comes to parents and there's so many things that I do where my dad's friends message me going, oh my God, Lisa, you were so your dad then. <laughs> and I say it to my brothers and I say, oh my God, that was so dad. So we are always part of them. So they are always with us. And if there was someone listening that is grieving at the moment, and I know there are so many different stages of grief and so many ways that it can manifest, as you said, but what advice would you give to someone that is just trying to find some peace? I think the main thing is that not to be hard on yourself because really there is so many emotions and it is overwhelming and it's hard to know how to deal with that. So you have to let yourself cry. You have to let yourself go through that motion. Um, but for me, the thing that I, like I say, is that I just think that you just have to remember that as we're still here. So 
what have you wanted to do? Use it as an opportunity to do like something that you've always wanted to do or to, you know, write that, you know, book you wanted to write or to, you know, make something that you've always wanted to make, learn something, go somewhere, like do it. Don't wait to do it. Because I think that anyone that's grieving, like you just have to take it your way. Don't shut your friends off. You might not want to talk about it. They understand that. You can tell them that. Don't shut them off. Surround yourself with people that love you and that you love. But just do those things because honestly, you never, ever, ever know what is going to happen tomorrow. And that's true. It's true. And it's one of the only things we can be sure of, isn't it? That we don't know what's going to happen, even though that statement is a contradiction in itself. (laughs) Um, But I think, Lisa, just getting a picture of all of these different things that you've experienced and, you know, all of these different things that have made you who you are. What would you say in terms of you and how you feel makes you feel the most confident? It's an interesting question because I think that confidence um, comes on so many different levels. Um, Obviously, doing the job that I do you have to be confident in yourself and your skill. That doesn't mean that I don't stop learning every day because I'm constantly learning. I'm constantly researching. Like I'm really like, make sure I do that. Um, and I think that sometimes you have to put on your confidence as well. You know, you have to fake it till you make it, you know, you definitely. Have to yeah, you do. I mean, my team, um, I had a really big team um, when I was working for the brand that I was working for. And I used to say to them, like, if you don't believe in you, no one will. Now, whether that means that you actually believe in yourself or that's the front that you're putting on in that moment, it doesn't matter. If you're going to go out there and achieve something or you want to go and get something, you need to believe that you can do it. The minute you doubt yourself is the minute that you'll fail in that situation. So just believe, even if you just believe that for 10 minutes, <laughs> that, you know, you're going to do it. So I think that confidence is, it's a strange one. For me, I think that I feel very content, which I think is also a sign of confidence in a way, you know, I'm confident in my relationship. I'm confident in my style. I'm confident in my friendships that I have. And I think that all of that makes you content. Definitely. Yeah. And if you're ever having a, a period, whether it's a moment or a week or however long that you're not feeling the most confident, what are some of the steps that you take to feel a bit better? Oh, I always put music on always I put on some of my favorite songs that inspires me in so many ways and then if I'm not feeling confident and I need to go and do something I'll usually just look at myself in the mirror and be like literally and be like right you got this you've got this and for me I use my dad's strength and I'm always like what would dad do in this situation because my dad came across as a very confident person I was like what would dad do in this situation what would he say to you and my dad would always say to me go get them girl. This is your time. Ah. Do it. Yeah. And it'd be like, if they say no, it doesn't mean that they're right. If you believe in it, try again. It doesn't matter. So I think, you know, just make sure that you believe in yourself. That's a really great way to look at it. And your dad sounds like such a laugh, by the way. Um, There's a mission statement at Cosmetics. I always love to um, 
remind myself of this at the end. There's a mission statement of what the brand is setting out to do. And my favorite part of that mission statement is that they want people to feel good, whether it's for the first time or the first time in a long time. So if there's someone listening that really isn't feeling they're very best at the moment and they want to get back to that, you know, whether it's the picture from five years ago that they had an amazing holiday or a time in their life that they felt great. What advice do you have to get back to that brilliant version of yourself? Going back to makeup, I think is actually a really good way to get yourself feeling good again. You know, get out that bright lipstick and put it on. That's a really great starting point that anyone can do. That's easy. And you might think, come on, Lace, it's just makeup. But like we said at the beginning, makeup is confidence. You know, so that is a really good starting point to do that. I think that it depends when you're listening to this, but we've had obviously some crazy times um, at the moment. Yeah. And it knocked a lot of people's confidence. But I just think that everything's going to be okay. And you need to remember that what makes you feel good is what is going to help you bring that confidence back. Is it reading a good book? Is it having a good cry? Is it, you know, pouring yourself a glass of Prosecco and putting some music on? You know, is it putting on your favorite outfit? Is it FaceTiming one of your best mates? Like, what is the one thing that makes you happy? Because when you're happy, you feel more confident. So I just think make sure you're bringing a little bit of happiness into your life every single day. And also remember this, you never know what someone else is going through. So if, don't let anyone ruin your day. You know, if someone is in a bad mood and, you know, you see them in the shop and they're in a bad mood and you think, oh God, that's really bloody ruined my day. Don't let it. You never know what anyone else is going through. Focus on yourself, put the energy back into you and just make sure that you do something to make yourself feel good. Lisa, that is solid advice. And I think... Anyone, as you say, what I like about that advice is anyone could do those steps. They're nice and small, they're practical, and they can have a huge impact. So I love everything you've just said. Um, Lisa, I'm sure there's going to be people that want to reach out to you and just get in touch and have a chat after hearing us today. So can you just tell us where we can find you and what we can expect when we do? Yeah, so my Instagram and my website are the place you'll find me. Uh, it's Lisa Potter Dixon on both. And just expect a lot of colour, a lot of energy, <laughs> uh, a lot of sequins and a lot of randomness as well. Because honestly, I'm one of those people that never, ever rewatches my stories before I post them. I just do it, post it, do it, post it. And then the next day I might look back and go, oh, right, great. Yeah, probably, uh, probably should have watched that one before I posted it. <laughs> But no, I just think for me, I'll always try and bring the positive energy and anyone who's got any questions about what anything we've spoken about today can absolutely reach out to me. I try and respond to every single person as much as I can. Amazing. Lisa, thank you so much. It's been such a joy talking to you. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so pleased to be on here and uh, keep up the good work, Rose, and it as well. Keep it up, girl. Amazing. (laughs) Well, enjoy the rest of your day and your sequins and we'll talk to you soon, Lisa. Take care. See ya. Bye. Thank you for listening. And if you liked this episode, please subscribe and leave a review. You can find us on social media at It Cosmetics on Facebook, It Cosmetics UKI on Instagram, and discover more interviews like this at itcosmetics.co.uk. Thank you for joining us. We'll talk to you soon.